Welcome to the Communication and Conflict YouTube channel and Chaos podcast series, Mediators Discuss, in which mediators, conflict coaches and other conflict resolution practitioners discuss the use of mediation within their particular field. In this video and podcast, I'll be talking to Melanie Giver, the HR lawyer. Melanie is a qualified employment solicitor with 17 years experience advising businesses and individuals. Alongside her work as an employment partner at Gunner Cook LLP, based in the UK, she supports and manages HR teams on the ground through her HR business. She's a chaos trained mediator and conflict coach and uses these skills when advising clients. Melanie's work has led her to conclude that the old ways of managing employment issues through progressive disciplinary and grievance procedures rarely work to resolve them for employer and employee. She's passionate about rewriting such procedures to create new approaches to people management and this has become part of her work mission. That mission is to support organisations using a people-first values-based approach where the employment relationship is based on an adult-adult foundation. This means employees are treated in even-handed and collaborative ways which comply with the stringent requirements of UK employment law. Hi everyone, welcome to the Communication and Conflict YouTube channel and po uh, Chaos Podcast, promoting mindful communication and growth through conflict. So today's video is going to be a mediators discuss video uh, and podcast on chaos. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to having a discussion today with Melanie Giver, who is a HR consultant and employment law advisor, but also I'm very much aware is a trained mediator and conflict coach. Uh, and so we're going to be discussing today the topic of conflict resolution in workplaces. Uh, and to draw upon our kind of respective experiences of that topic. So, Mel, what would you like to say to introduce yourself? So, um, hello, everybody. So, as Alan um, said, um, I'm an HR consultant in employment law, and I'm also um, a solicitor. I've been qualified for 17 years. Um, and I think I was thinking about how long ago it was that I trained Alan as a mediator and conflict coach with you. And I think it must be must be about 2014 or so. Mm -hmm. um, and I also had trained with another um, mediation um, organization, but came to you because I didn't feel it, it kind of fit with how I saw mediation really operating. So. Yeah, that's that's me. And that's what I do day to day, mostly advising on employment problems and conflict. That's mostly what I do. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Alan, tell me about you. Yeah, OK. Oh, OK. Yeah. So so um, uh, I'm a mediator, trainer, conflict coach, and uh, I've been doing that for the last always have to calculate. It was 94. So it's uh, 27 years um, and I've worked in various areas of mediation during that time, but particularly during the last probably 14 years, uh, of my focus has been mainly on workplace kinds of disputes. Uh, but in the past, I've worked in various areas of mediation, neighbour disputes, community difficulties, complaints, work, etc. Um, but I won't go into too much detail of that now because we will 
continue into our discussion. So our topic, as I said previously, is conflict resolution in workplaces. Um, so on that topic, Mel, what, what kinds of things would you want to look at today uh, for us to kind of explore? So one area that I would like to talk about is disciplinary and grievance procedures and um, I have a view that they they don't resolve conflict they're just purely a way of managing it and really looking at what might alternatives be to using those procedures to actually truly support employers and employees to resolve conflict in the workplace um, yeah, and really considering, um, yeah, how med mediation is, 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 is one option, but also communication, really interested in, in how people communicate with one another and, and how alternative ways of communicating or perhaps ways that we're perhaps not used to communicating could support resolution of conflict and that, um, perhaps if there was more training for both employers and employees on, on communication and how and how to communicate with one another in a way that seeks to resolve conflict, we might not even need to look at disciplinary and grievance procedures at all, or at least less like you know less often. Yeah. Yeah. Any other things? No, I think that's a lot. There's a lot there just just in that for me. Mm, mm. Okay, so you said uh, you, uh, you'd like to look at disciplinary and, gr disciplinary and grievance procedures um, that uh, you think they don't, their uh, purpose isn't to resolve but to manage conflict yeah. um, and you think that alternatives uh, to, um, to support and to uh, enable people to to try to resolve things could be considered and looked at um, how uh, mediation and communication training could help with that mm -hmm. um, and uh, to look at alternatives as you say in terms of looking at training for people in their communication um, uh, that seeks to that is has a focus on looking at res resolution rather than as you previously said disciplinary and grievance procedures um, uh, not being about resolution, but simply management of the situation. Yeah. How, how was that? Was that, I kind of felt there were some things I missed within that. What were your thoughts? Or is that pretty much? No, you, you, yeah, you, co you covered it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, specifically the alternatives to result, you know, the alternatives to going, resorting to those procedures and looking at those procedures um, is mediation is an option and and actually conflict coaching is an, another option mm. um, so it'd be good to talk about those yeah as options yeah cool okay yeah so um, for me the thing that I think I'm particularly interested in exploring is in a sense your side of things you know just the very fact of what you just said is interesting to me because you know I've only ever been an external mediator 
I've not worked within an HR department. I've not worked within the equality and diversity sections of organisations that perhaps, you know, are the kinds of places that, in my experience, have referred cases for mediation when they've drawn me in. So I'm always interested to know what the factors are that come into play when an organisation might even consider mediation and what the factors might be that mean that they don't use mediation. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously there will be, sorry about that, there will obviously be a range of um, uh, different reasons in different organisations, but just in a sense to hear what your experience of that is. Um, and I think in many ways, as, as I think you know already, I've got an interest in, interest in bullying and harassment policies. Um, and for me, possibly, you will obviously tell me otherwise, but possibly some of the factors that come into the ineffectiveness of those policies are similar to the reasons that there's ineffective uh, grievance procedures as well. So really just to explore that, I think, would be, yeah. be of interest to me. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so just to clarify, so from your perspective, you'd like to kind of hear things from my side of things. Mm -hmm. um, you've worked as an external mediator, so you've not had the opportunity or the experience of working directly in a business, and it's, um, especially when it comes to inequality and diversity issues. Um, so I'd like to kind of look at the factors of, of why an organisation may use mediation um, and what might mean they they may choose not to um, as well as your specific interests I know on terms of bullying and harassment and your views in terms of that being those that process or those procedures being ineffective for resolving those kind of matters um, and you kind of liken those to potentially being the same kind of reasons for ineffectiveness as, as a grievance procedure mm. so Mm. Yeah, and even sound? as you even as you say that, I've kind of started thinking what for me seems to be the reasons, but it would be interesting to explore that. So yeah, yeah, okay. So what would we say are the kind of main headlines or highlights of what we want to look at? I think. Um, so I think. I don't know whether we need to explain. I, I think. I'd maybe like to just chat through kind of what the discipline agreements procedures are, just just mm -hmm. very briefly. Yeah. Um, and what their impact is or can be. So what their impact can be mm -hmm. on conflict resolution and why I don't think they don't they'd work. Yeah. Um, Okay, so impact of discipline and grievance. Yeah. Just for me, ditto for bullying and harassment. Yeah. Any other things? I think this is a main the, headline. My headline and headline. So I think we, from coming from what you said, the factors that come into play that might mean a, an organisation will consider it, and the same for an individual. You know that they may well be willing yeah. to to consider it. Yeah. Um, and why perhaps it might not be considered appropriate yeah and individuals okay anything else because that covers it for me as well but anything yeah. else you would like to no that's it that's it for me 
Okay, disciplinary and grievance procedures and their impact. It's over me for bullying and harassment, although obviously as well as disciplinary and grievance procedures. And the factors regarding consideration for both organisations and individuals about whether they would consider mediation and conflict coaching. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So where should we start? I'll start. (laughs) I'm really really passionate about... I've advised many, many businesses and many individuals um, about how to conduct a disciplinary and and how to manage a grievance procedure. And I really dislike it in terms of the process, the procedure and the outcome that usually results from it. And that's often because I see them as being, they they are progressive procedures. The aim often set is said to be to resolve conflict or to resolve a dispute but it it isn't because it's it's a process where the end result is potentially the termination of someone's employment so with a disciplinary with an absence management procedure with a performance management procedure you know they have a warning process through them which Mm. ultimately Mm. if the employee behaves or um, gets in line or stops doing what they're doing or isn't absent anymore yeah. then they'll get to stay in their job whereas and, and with a grievance okay it's not necessarily that somebody's going to lose their job but it can result in the disciplinary procedure being initiated and somebody ultimately losing their job yeah. um, that's not to say I don't see, see there being a place for disciplinary and grievance procedures I think I see more of a place potentially for disciplinary when it's a very, very serious matter. Mm. When it's akin to something potentially criminal, then then yes, I think there, mm. there, there may well be a place for it. It may be, be good to maybe explore that a bit further mm. with you and what your thoughts are. Um, but with resolving conflict, conflict is there every day at work mm. and we can't avoid it no matter how we feel about it and so using those procedures as a way to to resolve it in my view in my experience it doesn't do that I don't know of any I do know of employers who go yes we've got we've got rid of them and 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 I think well okay maybe that is a success then but then I you know you've also got we really didn't want it to end up this way you know we we uh, and for an individual it can it's a really stressful and I think quite a degrading process to put somebody through. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's so many things in what you said, which are to me are analogous to what situation with bullying and harassment policies yeah. are as well. Um, because while in a sense, I would, from what you said and from what I've understood of grievance uh, disciplinary and grievance procedures, they are, as you say, kind of much more managed on a progressive basis the eventual outcome of a bullying and harassment policy being applied is almost always exactly the same, that the one or both people involved or more than one, if it's more than one of both people, leaves the organisation. Yeah. And what doesn't happen when you said about sometimes, rarely perhaps, but sometimes employees go, yes, we've got rid of them. What that's not acknowledging is what is it that meant that that person's uh, way of being 
wasn't able to be dealt with within the workspace and what therefore means what what now means that a similar person coming in won't ex experience and cause the same issues so there's not yeah. been any learning from it there's not been any development there's not been any growth and in both policies there's always a separation of people there's never a bringing together so therefore there's never well not never I can't know it's never but it's very rarely the case it's almost always a standard procedure that if there's a bullying allegation actions are taken to keep the parties apart mm -hmm. um and and from that point onwards it's almost taken out of their hands and for me, this is where for a lot of organisations where their difficulties come in, because what they do usually ends up being uh, effectively kind of con a, a claim of constructive dismissal. Yeah. So if you've got two people who have fallen out, um, uh, then, you know, if it's a manager and an employee, but it doesn't have to be this, it can be two colleagues. Um, one is, say, a manager. It may not be the manager but sometimes it's both the manager and the, the person mm -hmm. who's making the claim of bullying uh, move to separate roles. But even where it's um, just one that's moved, that person is almost inevitably moved to a role which is less demanding of them. So therefore yeah. they're no yeah. longer doing the job that they're employed to do. Yeah. And while a lot of people think that what happens at an employment tribunal is is dealing with bullying. It's never dealing with bullying because it's not a legal issue. It's always dealing with the way that the employer has managed the situation. And yeah, that absolutely. will often be constructive dismissal. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. It's, it's the, uh, the employer's process which leads to the legal process following from it, the employment tribunal. Mm. And, and so I'm speaking there about bullying and harassment, but as you say, in both processes, there's an inevitable leaving a kind of a, a divergence from the organisation, isn't there? And that yeah. means eventually that one or both people ends up leaving. And that can't be, that cannot be good for the organisation, can it? Because the cost of that, just the cost of that in itself, whether there's a legal process or mm. not, but the cost of employing someone, training them, losing them, having to re-recruit to that post is going to be multiples of the cost of something like mediation. Yeah, and even if you were to, they were to try mediation and it were not to work on some occasions, you know, if I mean, if we just took a random estimate figure that without even considering the legal costs of something, that it would cost them £5,000, say. Let's just mm -hmm. take a silly kind of yeah. estimate, say £5,000, just because someone is going through that process, the time taken, and that person then leaving, and then having to be recruitment. It's going to be more than five grand, isn't yeah. it? But, yeah, but it's going to be an awful lot more. Yeah. Say it's mediation costs kind of £1,250. Yeah. And a rough figure, 1250 Yeah. You'd have to fail. in The mediation would have to be un... Uh, to not lead to resolution on four occasions, just taking those numbers, four times 1,000, on four, it would have to not be successful on four occasions out of four. It would have to be, yeah, it would, yeah, sorry, I'm getting lost in my numbers, but 
I mean, just it wouldn't have to be a successful 100% of the time is what I mean. Yeah. It's still to be massively a cost saving process. So you're saying that um, there would be, have to be four, almost like the four touch points, the four occasions when, so where did you, sorry, was occasions. So the, 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 the mediation would have to fail almost on four occasions. So are you, with that, are you talking about in the first place, the um, individuals are asked whether or not they, they want to consider mediation, they agree, there is meetings with both is that what you're thinking about the no before? sorry I think oh, you're thinking about my, something else yeah no sorry I was doing a kind of a cost benefit a, a kind of cost oh, sure. risk comparison yeah. so let me I'll, I think I can do it state it more clearly it's kind of it's it's as I say if you said the cost of the person just leaving without ever looking at the massively greater cost of a legal process beyond them leaving if you said the cost of a mediation was 1250 yeah and if you said the cost of them just leaving without um, uh, any legal process beyond yeah. 5,000, if that happened on four occasions, um, there would be, uh, oh, how am I going to explain? It would be, I guess what I mean is you wouldn't even need to have two out of four mediations to, to be Cover successful, but still you? to be a better option. It would still yeah. be a cheaper option to try mediation. So, um, yeah, sorry, it's a really bad kind of way of trying to voice it. I'd need to kind of rephrase what I mean. But as I say, if you if you try mediation, it doesn't work. OK, you still got to go on with the rest of those procedures. If you try mediation and it does work, you're saving a massive, massive amount of money. So the taking the risk of trying mediation is entirely uh reasonable on a cost risk analysis basis is what i mean uh i've just explained the actual numbers badly but just that cost of mediation the risk yeah. you know it would have to uh, fail on so many occasions to be a useful process for it still to for it, for it not to be worth considering that that cost um that cost outlay to try it uh, and yet in so many cases, it doesn't happen. And some people might say, yeah, but the participants don't want to try it. And I mean, then we need to go into looking at, well, how are you offering mediation? That's the thing, because so often it's offered once and it's assumed that if they don't want it at that time, then yeah. um, then it's never going to happen again. Whereas, as we've discussed before, it's if mediation is always available throughout the life of a dispute, mm. Uh, then the chances are far greater that people will take it up at some point in that journey. Mm. Um, I mean, it's not quite on our topic, but that's one of the things that is so often a reason why mediation isn't used as often as it could be, um, is that it's it's just put in at one place in the journey and people say, oh, you should always try mediation early. There's no reason why it should have to be early. It should be at any point in the journey of that dispute. Um, because, uh, I mean, I've provided mediation in a lot of situations where people have reached the grievance procedure and beyond, yeah. and they want to try mediation because they realise how it's just not working for them. But in a lot yeah. of processes in a, in a, and in a lot of organisations, it will be deemed that because it's reached the grievance procedure stage, well, mediation is not going to be offered or used or, or, or useful. But that's... There's yeah. no logic to that because it can always be used at any point in the life of the dispute. Sorry, Absolutely. I was just I'm going to 
yeah conf confirm really my agreement with you on that which is that I think, at the, I think now ACAS, um, because ACAS have an awful lot of resources on their website, including um, a disciplinary, um, a, you know, a sample template disciplinary code, that was sort of not a sample code, they have a, a sample disciplinary procedure and that there's a code of practice. And within that, there is now reference to mediation. I think it's still, as you said, thought of as something that you, you would look at before trying or before, you try it it's almost like a try it first and if this doesn't work we'll go down the formal process whereas I agree with you that actually having that paragraph about mediation having it in there is in the first place great that at least it's acknowledged hmm. but also and, and in terms of grievance procedures but actually it should be more than that it, it could be it's an option for any point in time and especially where individuals whoever is involved in the conflict if they come to the conclusion that that process is not going to work to resolve it because my experience is, as I said earlier is that it rarely rarely resolves a conflict mm. it, it is a way of managing it it is a way of it, it it ticks boxes as to we have a meeting we've discussed it but there's so much more about the about the way that it's managed mm. that I, I kind of disagree with really in terms of it, it you're going to have a third in both disciplinary and grievance you've effectively got an individual assigned as a disciplinary officer or a grievance officer and the, the very language that is used in those procedures is akin to court language mm. we talk about evidence we talk about allegations mm. Um, we talk about whether it's proven or not mm. and okay and, and I'm not suggesting for one minute that, that a business isn't and should not follow the law that is the law that is what it is at the moment um, my hope ultimately is perhaps you know there could be a change to that or that at least mediation and conflict coaching could be something that is is not just tried a bit like before but as is actually something that um, isn't just an alternative, but actually that the principles could be applied to those procedures. Um, what's really important to me is that disciplinary and grievance procedures, as well as being almost like um, akin to a court process, which most people are not used to that. It is not normal. You know, an employment, employment is a relationship. It is a relationship between individuals. Yes, there's a business, but the business is the people who, who run it. Mm. And you rarely start a relationship and saying, well, where things go wrong, well, we're going to run it like a court process. Well, most relationships, when they go wrong, involve a chat about what's gone wrong mm. And, mm. and an attempt to put it right. Exactly. Now, of course, if the relationship is broken or one party doesn't want to carry on with it, then you're better off getting to the crux of that and deciding how you're going to both move on. Mm. Whereas using this procedure almost as a sham, mm. which can happen, or expecting it to resolve it, mm. is um, it's also very, it is parent-child as well. So, you know, the fact that it's 
disciplinary procedures, sanctions, you know, at school, my daughter, you know, if she doesn't do her homework, if she forgets a pencil, a pen or whatever, she gets a sanction. Mm. She hates it immensely. Mm. Um, And I think most children do. And, and we've carried that into employment. We we have these penalties. So, you know, Mel, if you're late for work three times, um, you know, we'll chat with you about it. And if you keep being late, you know, we're going to give you this warning. Mm. Well, actually, Mel, there must be a reason why Mel's late quite often. And mm. why is Mel late quite often? Mm. And let's get to the bottom of that. Yeah. To resolve it. Yeah. Because issuing me with a warning isn't necessarily going to stop me being late. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't try to find out the reasons why, as you say. Does no, it, it and, doesn't. And the process should. You know, in reality, the way the process should run should give the employee the opportunity to say why and what's going on. Yeah. But the very language and the very way that the, the processes are, are often held, formal meetings, you've got the right to be accompanied. Mm. Um, it is almost like, and as I said, the language and the court process, mm. how, how is anybody going to be comfortable just yeah. chatting about it and of course hopefully most employers and employees do have those conversations before you get to the formal process mm. and most businesses probably do do that but it's still there in the background yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's the very language that's used in the first place yeah it's alleged you know I've drafted these letters and I, you know I'm now trying to find a way to change my language and encourage my clients to walk with me in that process to change that language for it to be not an allegation not let's don't go down this disciplinary route let's there's there's something that's not right here and can we have a chat about it and try and sort it through Hmm. and then if we need to go down somewhere formal okay but actually there's mediation and there's you know there's mediation from mediation can be used from a disciplinary perspective rather than it being I'm the employer you've done something wrong yeah yeah I think I think you know obviously there's so many things come up in terms of what we both kind of understand and kind of see about conflict resolution is that you know um it being an adversarial process, yeah. however much people may say, oh, no, but we're nice to them when we do it. It's like, what are the, the point of it, it's an adversarial yeah. process. It's a yeah. proof uh, proof or, or not proof process. Yeah. It's past focused. It's not future focused. So it's yes. very much a blame approach. Yeah. So therefore, it's always looking at the past and finding evidence for the past in saying something's clearly not right here how can it be better in the future? So therefore the non-adversarial process of mediation being about trying to create something better and different for the future. And as you said earlier, if it really is a serious thing, then any employer is duty bound anyway to look into it. But when it's a relationship breakdown, when it's about, as you say, someone turning up late or perhaps not managing to quite fulfill their job as well as might be hoped, okay, there might be a requirement that those things be put in place, but there can also be a future-focused look at what's the difficulty here? How can this be done differently? And that doesn't even need for there to be mediation or conflict coaching. It needs there to Mm. be managers. And for me, that comes back to what you were saying earlier about training in communication skills. Mm. 
because that those you know the skills that say mediators and conflict coaches use to help people to create answers for themselves that support them in doing so are skills which even if not through a formal process like mediation or conflict coaching managers can learn to develop to understand why things might be said in a certain way you know what would help you here why is this being a problem what what might you be able to do to change this what support might might we be able to provide for you um but at the end of the day it's your job to make this improvement it's we're not going to do it for you but we can try to help you with it as opposed to if you do it again you're going to get punished if you do this again without any exploration of what the context is what the personal challenges are for that person and those kinds of more creative conversations are the kinds of things that lead to identification of training needs and um and recognition of circumstances the person might have that might mean they need to work move to a different um timetable of working or whatever um but if all it's all that happens as you say is they're put onto a disciplinary and grievance procedure none of that gets looked at and it's almost never going to actually resolve the problem because it's not looking at what underlies it is it so um, yeah, and, and ditto for me, again, transferring across the bullying and harassment policies, which I would very much, you know, see as similar in their ethos. Yeah, I think what I like about what you said or what what's, um, struck me about what you said is, is the difference really in terms of, I think when there are practical issues where there can be change that is not about relationships, it's not about behaviour in the sense of, when you've got allegations of bullying and harassment or when there are fallouts often it's difficult to uh, being somebody who's talked to individuals who say I'm being bullied often it's difficult to get from an individual exactly what it is that is really upsetting them mm. and to really because it's well they're bullying me well okay well what what is the what is the behavior what is it that they're doing and and it can be very difficult to explain because as human beings we use verbal non-verbal we use our intuition mm. uh, and you know there's there's what's going on up front but there's what's, you know what's going on around mm. and um when there's fallouts you know, there isn't really a process within organisations to sort it out apart from using this adversarial grievance process, mm-hmm. which, as we've said before, it's, it's akin to a court process. It's, it's somebody else making a decision about. So I feel that, you know, um, my manager um, is ignoring me. They want me to leave. They don't include me in things. And it's very difficult it, with a grievance process the decision maker who's another person usually in the business is going to be saying well the evidence is I can't see any evidence that supports mm. Mm. That mm. you that, that you believe that that they they don't want you in the business yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and but I still feel that yeah, so you exactly. can have the outcome of the grievance is well my grievance and I've drafted these I've done grievances and I you know I'm and I've you know there isn't sufficient evidence to prove or Mm. to support what you're saying Mm. so so then as the individual it's well but I feel that yeah yeah. I still feel it so are you telling me my feelings are wrong yeah well 
who, who am I to say that somebody's feelings are wrong? What yeah. what what their experience is is what their experience is, yeah. and it does not the, the the process the grievance process isn't aimed to deal with that. No, no, exactly. That's oh. for me. That's um, to me. That's so. I'm starting to kind of talk about the idea that bullying and harassment policies they over promise on bullying and they under deliver on harassment because right. yeah because and and what you've just described is exactly what i've said i've said uh, i did an article a while ago for an online hr magazine and it was about the idea that bullying is bullying is an illusion um mm-hmm. and as as it can feel because it's like a ghost it's like yeah. you might see a ghost think you've seen a ghost but you tell everyone but no one believes you yeah. Because how can <laughs> you prove a good it? Way to put it? Yeah. And that to me is exactly like that. And people say, but I saw it. I saw the ghost. And they say, yeah, but you haven't got any evidence. And it's exactly the same for bullying. And so for me, that's why the idea that a bullying and harassment policy or a grievance procedure is going to solve that for anyone. It's a delusion. It simply cannot answer that question. There, I've never, ever come across any bullying investigation anywhere that has come to a conclusive outcome, if anywhere. And what tends to happen is it just kind of, everybody gets kind of tarred with it. So the person accused is remains with this kind of cloud over them, or, you know, they were accused of bullying, but were they proven? No, but, but you know, someone accused them. And the person who feels bullied feels completely unlistened to and let down. And yet the policy and the procedure is never, ever going to work for them. And yet it's still the same approach that organisations across the world use. And it's all what you describe is also why I think it's really important to separate bullying from harassment, because harassment is much more clearly evidenced. You know, if I come in the room and say, oh, typical woman, not, you know, on the phone all the time, you know, blah, 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 and something like that, I'm immediately being discriminatory. You know, and anybody who hears it, no matter whether they think I'm joking or not, or even if you think I'm joking, it's discriminatory language. It's easy to evidence. Therefore, when we try to mix together bullying and harassment policies, it's like treating harassment as if it's like bullying. And it's trying to give bullying the status of harassment. And in neither way does it work. So, you know, if I were to use that kind of language, I would deservedly be strongly dealt with. And yeah. therefore, people who experience harassment in the workplace will feel supported because it's easily distinguishable. Bullying, on the other hand, is subjective and it's never going to be supported by an adversarial investigatory process. So that's to me is why I think there always need, there needs to be a clear cutting off of the the idea of a bullying and harassment policy because they're completely different in terms of whether they can be evidenced or not and they're completely different in terms of their status harassment is illegal and needs to be dealt with that way and i would say that's why so many people who experience harassment don't feel that they're taken seriously because it's it's um you know i'm i'm kind of looking at policies at the moment of a lot of public sector organizations and as you go through them, you wouldn't. There wouldn't be any way in which a harassment claim would be treated differently to a bullying claim. No, they're and always so, put together. 
the terms put together yeah all, it's almost the terms like one word isn't it? it's yeah like, they are one word it's bullying can't say bullying without saying harassment yeah, and exactly. you say uh, you would possibly say harassment without the bullying but most allegations most allegations probably not most how can i put it so in my experience the, the words are used interchangeably exactly but it's it, they're labels yeah and actually and actually the the um the tricky part is actually um really helping or supporting an individual who is not saying what the behaviors are to be specific about them so that it can be identified and that's that in itself um requires knowledge you know from a manager's perspective or hr's perspective to be interested to differentiate between the two mm. Mm. um but i think overall i think regardless of whether it is harassment or bullying um the the process won't work so you know the the disciplinary or the grievance procedure just in my experience or even the procedures within the the harassment and the bullying policies mm. because they're the same as you've said so they often with a, a, a bullying and harassment policy the process is similar to a grievance yeah um it's just another it's pretty much the same very yeah. often yeah. so it's the same process again the aim is not really to support individuals to resolve the problem mm. and i think that's often perhaps where um there's frustration for all involved mm. because we're all expecting this procedure to, to work. Yeah. And it, and yeah. It, and it just doesn't. Yeah. We're handing over this, the resolution to the procedure, aren't we? Yeah. And then and, rather than saying, so what is it that I can do that will either support myself better in this situation or that can help me resolve it with this other person, no matter how much I hate them, yeah. I still have to work with them. Yeah. So therefore, and I want to keep my job and I want there to be a productive outcome from my day at work. Um, and I want there to be an improved relationship in this environment. So as I say, so this is the thing I think quite often, you know, in terms of what mediation can, as we know, offer in this situation. And this is why for me, I've got in a sense, quite a thing about mediation because I've seen so many, um, uh, or so a thing about bullying, rather. Uh, I've seen so many cases where bullying has been alleged come through mediation and resolve. Yeah. Whereas the expectation was it was just going to be a division, an exit, people leaving, etc. And the reason, as you, I think, know from things I've said before, the reason is because we stop talking about bullying. Mm. We talk about what's happened. Yeah. Well, we, they, they stop. They talk about, about yeah. Yeah. So, as you know, I, I would say to people, so what is it they do that you say is bullying? And even if they're not clear about how they vocalise it, like you said, there are always specific things that have happened or incidents that have led to them seeing it as bullying. And that can be discussed and people can talk about, um, well, you know, when that thing happened in the office and it's like, yeah, but, you know, you did this. OK, so. It's instead of it being a, a kind of an evidence-based prove and punish approach, it's like, okay, so if that happened again for both of you, what would you want to happen differently? How would yeah. you want it to have been dealt with? 
what can mean that's possible? You know, what, what might mean that's difficult to do? What is it that you both see as a way forward in this situation? So it's always about that instead of, well, have you got proof? And, uh, you know, and, and uh, well, you know, how, why is it you think that's not an appropriate thing to do? And it's kind of, as you say, it's, it's, it's about trying to kind of come up with evidence, respond to allegations, prove who's right, prove who's wrong. There's no exploration of, well, should that happen again? What would you both want to do differently? Yeah. Or, or if it's in conflict coaching, if that happened again, what would you want to do differently? How might that be possible? How could you create that for yourself? Mm. And it's always about future focus and saying, shit happens. What can you do once it's happened and move forward? What can help you with that? So there's no, and none of that is about proving, if it's a discussion around bullying, none of that has any focus on proving bullying. It's always about being creative and supportive. Um, and so much could then happen. I mean, as I say, the reason I'm a lot of people who kind of because you know I write online about it and I go on LinkedIn and people say, Oh, you're being, you know, you're letting off the bully and all this kind of thing. And and I kind of think, well, you know, you're coming from an experience where the bullying procedure didn't work for you. So what is it that you mean that saying more and more about this means it will work any better? It's about saying that it's about acknowledging you're never going to be able to prove that one person is a bully because there just isn't the objectivity around the situation for that to be possible. But almost conversely to that, you have an opportunity for the situation to be improved. And as I say, this is then where some people say, no, 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 I'm never going to sit in a room with them. They, and that's fine if they really feel that strongly, but they're still left with the same problem if that's the case. So what might they be able to do even if they don't want to go to a mediation with them, which is, you know, is where conflict coaching comes in. But it's always about supporting that person and creating a way forward for themselves. Um, and that's different, isn't it, from it, the disciplinary, although, sorry, from the grievance process where you're handing over that the individual is disempowered. The person yeah. raising the complaint is completely mm. disempowered and the outcome mm is taken so they're the ones who who's experienced experiencing the problem experiencing the issue mm. and, and it's almost like handing it over to somebody else so you sort it out yeah but then it, it okay well you sort it out so the person is fired well okay does that really sort it out mm. um does it really resolve it well m maybe but the mm. person is not fired or it, the finding is that no, Mel, you, you know, you weren't bullied. And, and, and I'm left disempowered and, and unhappy with the outcome. And I can appeal yeah. through the same process to potentially get the same outcome. And as human beings, it's just not the way we live yeah. either. Yeah. You know, it's completely, yeah. you know, completely alien yeah. to the way that we live um, yeah. day to day and how we, you know, we don't te teach our children that you know be, well you know. interestingly i think the thing is that in a sense there are ways in which it can be seen as being very parent child because um you know for me the the kind of metaphor that i see with a lot of those things is that someone runs to the parent and says mm. so and so did a bad thing tell them off and sometimes the parent does tell off you know 
the other yeah. and then they feel resentful and then they then do something worse to the one who's who's got them told off yeah. and it's kind of this silly like you know and the parent doesn't have a clue what's going on because they don't okay. see it whereas I know that they're you know into, and that's kind of a model which just doesn't work but I do think sometimes it's a model that has been come from people's experience into the workplace whereas, I think it's replicated yeah. I agree I do whereas believe there are some parents who will actually say well you know what are you both going to do about this you know I don't want yeah. you coming to me with with these kinds of uh things you know I want you both to kind of be able to be nice to each other or kind to each other or considerate of each other so how are you both going to do that so uh, that parent is then taking themselves out of making any judgment based on no knowledge whatsoever about what's actually happened yeah. and placing it back with the children so then they're treating them like adults yeah so it's an yeah. adult adult relationship and yet you know what what you've been saying and I've been saying about grievance procedures bullying procedures they're very parent child in the run to the person make yeah. a complaint expect the other one to be told off there to be then you know no I didn't yes you did no I didn't yes you did and the person's still thinking that they can make a judgment about who's right and who's wrong in the situation I think it's really is what it being disempowering it's also you know that that impacts on people mentally and psychologically hmm. so whilst on the one hand you know I've, I've experienced employees saying well what are you going to do about this and it's passing of the responsibility but it's also understandable that employees will do that because it's become the parent-child relationship so it's well you're in charge yeah, yeah, yeah. you say you're in charge so yeah. if you're in charge you do something about it yeah. um and so there's something to be said for bringing bringing it back or bringing it to in the first place a grown-up adult adult relationship where it is each each individual each party each person has a responsibility um, to contribute towards resolving it whatever that resolution looks like yeah, yeah. If that resolution looks like a parting of the ways in the relationship in the working relationship okay yeah. but the same way as a family you know it, it's not you're sacked you know or you've got to leave <laughs> yeah, you just yeah. can't you can't do that yes in an employment relationship potentially it can be done yeah. but actually it's really difficult when you you've got that parent child so the business is the is the parent and you've got two children the employees who've fallen out hmm. well then you're in the situation where it's it's well either you've both got to go <laughs> or one of you goes yeah and how do we choose who goes exactly exactly yeah. And, and I mean, and, and particularly when you have situations like a complaint being made and one person is moved or even both people are moved to a different part of the organisation, they're both thinking, well, why am I the one who's been moved? Yeah. You know, because if it's the person accused in bullying who gets moved, it's like, but I didn't bully them. Why are you moving me? I feel like I'm being punished without being proven yeah. guilty. And if it's the other one, it's like, well, why am I being moved? They're the ones who bullied me. Why should I? Oh, see, it's a cover-up. It's a whitewash. And you get all of that. And none of it works for the organisation or the person managing it. No. And, and also, it cost, like to go back to where we, we, you started yeah. in terms of the cost, yeah. because often when um, clients have come to me and I'm thinking, okay, well, got an allegation and we've got the person who's up, the allegations being made against them. 
Mm. And the question will be to me, well, what, what do we do now? Mm. And I'm thinking, this is a really difficult situation because do we suspend them both? Do we both say to them, you can both remain at home? Mm. If you, This is all supposed to be confidential, although most not very often people know what's going on. Mm. But there's still people's you know, sense of self-respect. So how are we going to work this in, in the meantime? Um, and I suppose then the option of something else, you know, the option of you don't have to have this problem taken out of your hands. And actually, we'd rather it wasn't taken out of your hands because you're the one who's experiencing it. So if I'm the person making the complaint, it's me who's experiencing it. And I have a responsibility in that. I believe that individuals have a responsibility when they are experiencing it to really be part of trying to find a solution. Mm. And of course, yes, there are situations, there are times when the the relationship's broken and the the individuals will say, we we just can't work together. Mm. And it does depend on what the behaviours are and what's happened. And I do, you know, I'm not suggesting for one minute you know, there are some appalling behaviours that as human beings happen between each other. Things are said, things are done that shouldn't happen, that are, are, are unlawful. And I'm not looking to undermine that. Hmm. But in terms of the process, you know, looking at mediation, mediation as a way of resolving it doesn't mean that... Uh, the, there it doesn't mean that the other options are not still there all the yeah, time exactly. it can live alongside it exactly exactly is, that, sorry go on no, sorry. but also i think it's just the way as well for me what's important is the way that the issues are approached so the allegation language and the proven and, and all of that language right. for the person who's accused and it could be that they have done what's been alleged it it Mm. may well be but you don't know Mm. until that until it's been investigated and until it's been discussed and Mm. so actually looking at changing the language used and it being more of a grown-up approach of look you said this you said this um we we want to get to the bottom of what what's happened but we may we may not but shall we Mm. be forward shall we look forward Mm. I mean, what are your thoughts you know when you've got kind of serious alleg- you know serious allegations and mediation what's kind of been your experience positive experiences of mediation well I think you know that distinction about uh, seriousness or not for me this is the thing and again takes me back to the distinction between bullying and harassment if there's been an allegation of violence you don't offer mediation yeah. if there's been an allegation of theft you don't offer mediation if yeah. there's been an allegation of harassment and there's some way in which that has been evidenced you don't offer mediation because it's not something which should be um which should have any risk of people being denied their statutory legal rights yeah according to the law whereas where there isn't something like that or someone might think they're being harassed but they're not actually there's nothing to suggest it because people are so mixed up with bullying and harassment being the same. People sometimes say they're being harassed when it's not harassment. It's not discriminatory. It's just they don't get on. Yeah. Um, 
but but the thing about um you know as i say i can almost hear sometimes people may be listening on this and say yeah but people won't want mediation well that's not a problem because they can have conflict coaching mm. you know the whole point of conflict coaching is it devolved it developed out of the fact that sometimes people don't want to meet together at a particular point in time which doesn't mean to say they won't in the future, but at a particular point in time. But if they're going to be taking responsibility for improving things, they're offered the support of one-to-one conflict coaching to help them look at, well, you know, what's happened? What might improve things? How can things go forward? How did you feel about that? What would help you, etc. Always about being constructive. So it acknowledges the voluntariness of mediation, but it doesn't say, mean to say that if they don't want mediation, there's nothing can be done. But also what it emphasizes is, as you said, that there's an expectation on people to take some level of responsibility for it if it's not broken any laws. Mm. Because it's their workplace relationship. They can't just hand it over to their managers and say, they spoke to me in a way I don't like. I'm making a bullying claim. You investigate and prove them, et cetera. It's just not going to work. So, so therefore, and so in terms of you're saying, what's my experience? I say I can't honestly think of a situation where people have come to mediation with an allegation of bullying, and obviously, bullying is one of the more polarized situations. Sometimes it's just you know just something that's happened, and people are having difficulty. But where there's been an allegation of bullying and it's been made formal and gone through a either a dignity at work procedure or a claim or a grievance procedure or or whatever other names might be associated, they can be a bit more entrenched and polarised because people are sometimes thinking, well, I don't want to try mediation because I want them to be proven to be the bad person. But as I say, sometimes people go through them and then realise, well, actually, this isn't getting me to the place I thought I was going to get to. And they have mediation. And as I say, because the whole topic of bullying is gone within the first 10 to 15 minutes, Mm -hmm there's a detailed discussion of what's happened in their interactions. And it's not about, well, is that bullying or isn't it bullying? Is that bullying, isn't it? Who who cares? It's (laughs) how did you feel about it? What happened? What do you want to be different? I don't want to come and stand behind me in the open plan room and say, you've done that wrong. You've done that wrong. You've done that wrong. Why, you know, what's wrong with you? I don't want them to do that. I want them to actually sit down next to me or I want them to take me to their office and talk to me about it. And so it's not so embarrassing and it's not so intimidating. Or I don't want them to uh, him. I don't want you because they get a chance in mediation to say it to the person. I don't want you to send these emails around criticizing me. If you want to criticize me, do it as a one to one email rather than a group email. You know, these are the very much kinds of things that came up in universities, which is probably the main area that I've worked in in terms of doing workplace mediation is predominantly been universities, um, but also other public sector organisations. But the bulk, I would say, of my kind of recent experience in the last 10, 11 years has been working with universities where, you know, people in all roles might have fallen out, um, you know, whether academics or support staff or, or kind of, um, can't remember the phrase that they use for people who are not academic, but obviously important to the running of the university, but um, kind of administrative, but yeah. they have other roles as well. Um, but but it's, it's, it's the absence of the word bullying, which is the significant thing once the mediation gets rolling, mm. because they stop talking about, is it or isn't it bullying? And they talk about, 
when you did this, it yeah. pissed me off. Yeah. So I would rather you don't do it in the future. Well, I did it because, okay, so how are you both going to move forward with this? Mm-hmm. If it happens again, how are you going to deal with it? Mm-hmm. So it's a very frank and open discussion. Um, and, you know, again, people say, yeah, but you can't say that to your boss. Yes, you bloody well can. You can sit in the room and tell them how you felt about what they did. It's a, it's an open, it's a without prejudice forum. And so long as you don't slag people off and turn up and expect them to be able to abuse the other person, and you want to say, actually, I got really pissed off when you did that, you can say that because that's how you felt. Yeah. And you can have that kind of discussion. And I think people will often think that they're not able to do that. But for me, if I'm sitting in a room with two people, I'm sitting in a room with two people. I'm not sitting in the room with the boss yeah. and the employee. I'm sitting in a room with two people who've got a relationship difficulty. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I mean, it's probably not the right word for it, but I don't care what status either person has. Yeah. I'm there for them to be able to have a full and frank discussion so long as they're committed to using the process to try to resolve things and take responsibility for that. And, and I think, you know, what is often not recognised is that that opportunity is there in mediation, mm-hmm. that often people feel quite frightened by the idea. And it has to be said, there are some mediation practices which feed into that fear, particularly if you've got mediators who agree with the idea of compulsory mediation. Because yeah. if they've got that mindset, they're bringing that mindset into the room when they provide it. So they're not acknowledging people's fears and concerns and, and, and that they have a right at any time to walk out of that room if they want to. But when you've got that opportunity for an open discussion, um, it's entirely possible to learn more about that other person, to see their vulnerabilities, to see that perhaps they actually didn't mean to be as they were towards me. Perhaps they were having a bad day. Or who knows? Who knows what those things are? And I hear sometimes these things about, oh, but what about power imbalances? As if, you know, simply because someone's a boss, they've got more power, you know, as if they can click their hand and the person will be sacked. Bosses don't have that kind of power, you know? And so, uh, you know, of course you know. Um, but what a lot of people don't recognise is that some bosses are scared yeah. to death. I was going to yeah. say another word, but I shouldn't. They're scared to death of the employee who is in front of them, who they can't find a way of managing. They're so scared they- of saying something wrong. You know, often, you know, it... it Often it can be that it, it all is about the non-communication because of fears or concerns or worries. You know, I'm often um, I have clients who contact me and say, we just don't know what, what to say in the meeting. What should we say in the meeting? Because we're mm. really worried we'll say something wrong. Mm. And that's a shame in the world we live in at the, at the moment and the world we've lived in for a long time now is fear. You know, fear about if yeah. I say something wrong um, and what will happen and what will be the consequences of that. Yeah. Um, and, and mediation, as you said, you know, of course, it's not a place. You know, there are ground rules in terms of, you know, not being abusive to one another mm. um, in, in how we speak or act to one another. But actually being able to have a space which is confidential, 
um, where, where in, in terms of confidentiality, it's up to the individuals where it goes from there. But for them to agree the level of confidentiality, um, for us, it's not going. We're not discussing it anywhere else as the as the mediator. Um, for them to to express how they feel in a in a way that is not covered by those other those the disciplinary grievance procedures do not cover those. Yeah. And the future focus, um, because often in my experience, individuals who raise grievances. I've often delayed raising it because they don't want to go through the process. They get to a point very often where they say, I just don't know what to do. Mm. And, um, and sometimes people leave because they would rather not, they can't cope with or find a way to deal with what's going on at work. They're fearful of the process because they, they know it's not going to resolve the issue and they don't know what else to do yeah, and I yeah. also advise individuals and, and you know often they'll what what can I do and I'll go well legally you can do these things but then I'll often say well actually aside from that there are these other avenues that you can explore including conflict coaching which doesn't even have to involve work mm-hmm. where you can have a discussion with a conflict coach not me in that context because I'm advising them but um, to consider really consider how how might they want to go forward with this and and explore what it might look like if they were to resign and walk away what might it look like if they were to remain what might it look like if they weren't going to address it how could they address it what could those what are those options and opportunities and just having a chart the opportunity to sit with somebody outside of it as a conflict coach yeah yeah, yeah. um and you know it would be wouldn't it be great if businesses could you know, even if it's train, training up, and I know you do, you know, training, but training up um, people within the, the organisation to, yeah, to be those exactly. coaches. Exactly. Um, or at least having access. You know, yeah. we have employee assistance programmes, mm. which are rarely used, you know, that phone number, you can get some counselling, but actually having, having somebody you can talk to and say, I really don't know what to do here. Yeah. But they're not going to advise you. They're just... Uh, they're going to help you with what you can do yeah Yeah, they're not going to say go here go there they're going to say what can you do what do you need what's been the problem how might you deal with it differently what communication can you have because you you as you were saying the reason that sometimes people leave is because they're either given it's like an ultimatum isn't it it's like Mm -hmm. we'll take out a grievance procedure or shut up yeah and that's it that's all they've got so they yeah. can be sit there festering with the difficulty, but knowing that a grievance procedure isn't going to provide anything for them. Mm-hmm. And they don't really want to do it anyway. But it's almost like that's their only option. So they either choose yeah. to do that or they leave. And that that's not good for any organisation yeah. either, is it? Also, what, I'm, I'm, um, what I've also come across is that many so employees in that situation may end up saying, in a grievance or that when they leave or in tribunal they didn't support me Mm. they said they would support me but they didn't support me they just said all I could do was raise a grievance yeah yeah and that's your support (laughs) yeah that is your support so the support is either shut up (laughs) yeah learn to live with it deal with it ignore it yeah put up or shut up or raise put up or shut up isn't it yeah raise the grievance and I'm not and I'm not criticising 
um, managers or HR, because unless there is an alternative viable option that, exactly. that businesses are aware of and that is there as that viable option, then mm. HR or managers are not going to know how else to support because there is no there is no other mechanism. Yeah. Um, and mediation is one option, um, as well as the conflict coaching, which I think, mm. you know, f- from my perspective, there is so much more, Alan, that, you know, yeah. that, that that offers, yeah, yeah. Um, that many businesses and many individuals are not aware of, mm. of that. And, which also, and also just for managers themselves to learn skills, which are, supportive of that because a lot of people a lot of managers i know will you know someone will come to them and they just won't know what to do with it yeah it's not in their job description they've got to meet these targets on the project they've got to do this that and the other when two people come to them with a conflict they haven't a clue how to respond because they've never had any training they've never you know some will anyway just naturally be quite good at it but others will just be like, what the heck do I do here? I'll pass it to the HR department and the grievance. And, you know, but in a sense, because it gets passed to HR, it then has to be treated formally. Yeah. So they don't have a capacity for dealing with it informally, which helps it to go away. Not go away, but I mean, helps it to be resolved through yeah. supportive kind of interactions with the people who bring the problem. Um, so there's, even if people don't use mediation or conflict coaching, although, as you say, I think conflict coaching has so much space for, mm. for application and growth yeah. um, in these areas because it means that people can't won't default to saying oh well they don't want mediation so that's it yeah well conflict coaching is there um, or in many approaches to mediation some particularly our approach to mediation it doesn't have to mean that there's a joint meeting because the initial meeting is supportive of ways yeah, forward in itself so um you know, but as you say, if there isn't even that alternative, mm-hmm. then it is put up, shut up, leave, fester, or go down the formal route, which isn't going to help you anyway. Yeah, so, which is often I, what HR will know as well, and they yeah, will know that. Yeah, yeah, most, yeah. you know, individuals who mean well will know that when they say, yeah, and I, I've advised people, I said, you can go down the grievance route, but the out, the aim of the grievance or, or the way that the grievance outcome is likely to be is going to be somebody else is going to make the decision on this. And you might find that what you've said is yeah. not agreed with. And yeah. how do you, you know, and I'll often ask that open question, you know, how do you feel about that? If that's the outcome that you're yeah. going to face yeah, yeah. Um, and having, yeah, having the alternative, but it's also, you know, currently in the, in the, in the workplace, um, many many of us are are wanting to work in places where we're valued and respected where um we spend so much time but the expectations have changed from employees Mm. the um or the workforce as a whole because of course there's employees there's freelancers there's you know a raft of different ways of working self-employed contractors workers the expectations of of what individuals want from their work what they expect and how they expect to be treated Mm. and you know mental health you know we used to talk about health and safety and it was really you know making sure a ladder doesn't fall you know I don't fall off a ladder or something doesn't fall on my head Mm. and actually the health and um, 
Health and Safety at Work Act is actually about welfare as well and mental health. And now mental health is probably bigger than physical health. And most grievances that I come across will have a stress element to it from both sides. So the person who ends up being ends up being I'll rephrase that. So the person who um, is alleged to have done something wrong will frequently suffer from stress as a result of that. Absolutely. Which is understandable. Yeah. And the person making the allegation may well experience stress because of what's happening or they say is happening. But both will then experience stress from the process itself. Mm. And as somebody who has um, also done grievances and managed them and been a grievance you know, decision maker, mm. the process, not the process itself, but the complex nature of fallout and conflict can also be incredibly stressful for the person who's got to make this decision exactly. Exactly. and it's just it tears every, in my view it's stressing exactly. everybody out yeah and how on earth can a business then support the mental health and well-being of all of its employees exactly when this process yeah it, it, it is not aimed to support that no. so actually let's look for something else or let's have something that aligns if it's possible to align with it I don't know that it's possible but to you know it is what the law is and it must be you know procedures yeah. are there for a reason yeah um but at least is looking after people's mental health yeah, yeah, yeah. and considers that and so you know that that does require a radical overhaul in my yeah. view it but requires it, it, you know ripping up to some extent and going yeah we'll yeah. have a meeting with you and we'll we'll, we'll discuss what's happened but yeah. the approach and the approach you know can be done in yeah. a way that still uses the principles of mediation and the principles of of, of, yeah. of certainly cc and the thing I, I i wouldn't i mean obviously there might be things that i don't know about or understand but for me it doesn't have to be that radical a change because all that needs to be available is is mediation conflict mm. coaching in parallel yeah. because then people will choose they have a choice then that put up and mm. shut up isn't the case anymore yeah. it's like you can you can try this one or you can try this one and both are available to you you have a yeah. right to choose the adversarial process yeah. you have every right under law to be covered with that these this you know it's this is what it is this is what's available but you also have this option whether it's mediation or conflict coaching in parallel throughout the life of any complaint that you make mm. that is there for you and you have a choice. You have power because you have a choice. And you can even try both. Or all three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. this is the thing that it's only the not having a choice, which is so difficult for people. They have to do a grievance procedure or they have to shut up. And that's mm. not a choice. Mm. You know, it's like there is no availability of service to them there to support themselves and for them to support themselves in their situation whereas continuous availability of mediation conflict it's not hard to do there's nothing difficult about that is there because yeah. some people might say yeah but where does mediation go in it doesn't go in it it's no. separate to it it's entirely alternatively available 
at any time for any reason for people to mm. use if they're feeling that there's a difficulty in the workplace. But so often it's made much more complex than it needs to be by saying, oh, well, should it come after local resolution or should it come after? It doesn't have to come after any of those stages. Yeah. It's nothing to do with those stages. Yeah. They can carry on as they wish to. It should just be there, shouldn't it? It's just, it's there. Exactly. I think the, the conflict coaching part, if um, that were available to businesses and you know if that was available kind of within businesses and a natural something that businesses were aware of that employees were aware of a bit like everybody you know everybody knows you can raise a grievance actually if we would get be able to get to that point where everybody knows you can there's there's the option of a conflict um, conflict conflict coach Mm. um and there's the option of mediation and Mm. as you said earlier just want to pick up on that point about the mediation the cc media mediation process it doesn't necessarily result in that um, in that joint meeting. Yeah. Traditionally, mediation is considered to be this this joint meeting, and of course, as you and I know, it, it, the process does not have to run that way. And actually, the CC process does not run that way. Mm. It um, the, the the chaos model doesn't run yeah. that way. Yeah. It, it runs so that um, individuals are asked in, separately whether or not the, the, the first, you know the initial point is the person who has the complaint or has the concern who was raised it is asked do you, do you want to consider mediation yes or no hmm. um have an initial meeting and in that meeting itself um as you, as you and I know there it, it is an opportunity to explore resolution so the conflict coaching um skills are, are, are used mm. um, and the, the individual experiences mm. the opportunity to come up with a resolution which might yeah. be that at the end of it they say do you know what no I, I don't want to have a, a joint meeting exactly exactly I don't and need it unfortunately a lot it. of approaches to mediation don't take advantage of that opportunity no. in the initial meeting they see the initial meeting as being sometimes a quick half hour meeting where it's just do you want me a joint meeting or don't you <laughs> yeah and if and you know it becomes like a double glazing sales approach, trying to sell a joint meeting instead yeah. of just helping people to think through whether they want one or not, and even if they don't want one, what might still be possible. Um, so it depends on the approach that the mediator is using. If they're absolutely grimly determined to get people to go to a joint meeting when they don't want one, they'll be very disappointed. Mm-hmm. But if they're using that initial meeting as an opportunity to explore with people, as you've just said what might still be possible even if there's not and some people might say themselves do you know what I don't feel I need a joint meeting now I could do these things that I've been considering with you in this initial mediation meeting then you know hopefully most organizations would say well that sounds all right because we don't have to pay for a joint meeting as well as an initial meeting yeah and having the opportunity you know even for the for the conflict coaching if if that were was available you know, for HR teams, I'm, you know, talking about an, in an ideal world here, wouldn't it be great if rather than every time somebody's approaching HR, it's because there's a problem, it's it's actually HR gets the opportunity to be forward thinking and to be progressive mm. um, rather than always dealing with the problems or mm. the problems coming mm. to HR or the managers mm. so that the problems are not seen as being somebody else's or um the, the the individual has a place to to start resolving it yeah to uh, be initially genuinely, genuinely supported 
yeah. Like you said it's, earlier, some people say, well, I was supposed to be supported, but I wasn't supported. Yeah, and, and being able to say, absolutely, we have some support here. This is who you can go and talk to. You don't need to say any more to me unless you really want to. Yeah. And um, and you know where I am if you <laughs> if you want to take this any further. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that is empowering. You know, having that that place of support mm. rather than go and read the handbook and see what's in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I have to note we've run over our time. Well, not run yeah. over. We've taken the perfect amount of time because <laughs> now would obviously have to be the time that we stopped. So yes. Um, yeah, so fantastic. Thanks, thanks for that, Mel. Um, uh, what I'll do, I'll, you know, I'll draw this to a close and, uh, yeah. you know, I'll put it out to people on the podcast and the video. We'll see what comments, if any, people make. Um, yeah. And I would be very open, if you would be as well in the future, to having other discussions on similar yeah. or related topics. Yeah. For now, um, uh, we'll bring it to a close. Yeah. Um, I'll say goodbye to everybody who's been watching and thanks very much for listening. If you Thank have you everybody been. for listening. Yeah. And uh, I'll see you again soon, Mel. Yep. I'll see you again soon. Cheers, okay. Mel. Have a Bye. good day. Bye. Cheers.